Great morning, High Point Church. So great to be with you. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to you today because my wife and I, who is Pastor Lachelle Johnson here with us at Orlando World Outreach Center, and I bring you greetings from your sister church in Orlando. We love Pastor Andy and Amy King. We have long, deep covenant relationship from many years ago, and it's been a pleasure to connect at a different level in recent weeks regarding our conversations. Thank you so much, Pastor Andy and Amy, for the honor of speaking to the church today. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers. What an honor it is to be a father, but it's not an easy task. And so my hope and encouragement for us as fathers is that we would know we're not alone, that the Lord is with us, and that there is an impact he's called us to make. And to talk about that today, I want to just open our time in the scriptures. We'll be looking at John chapter 14, beginning in verse 8, we'll go to verse 9. In the NIV, it says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Father, I'm asking you today in Jesus' name to bless every single home that has tuned in to this church online experience. May they experience the presence of your Holy Spirit. And I ask every father would be blessed with favor and strength to stand as the man you have called to influence the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen. On this Father's Day, I want to speak to you about the Father's heart. Because as fathers, we benefit from knowing how important what's in our heart is to not just our family, not just to our friends, but to the world around us. And as the world has watched the brokenness and the dysfunction of our culture, we must think seriously about what is going on inside of us. There's so many different emotions that can go on inside of us when you look at the landscape of the world today. And especially in these times because we as fathers have so much influence. You may feel it, you may not feel it, but it's a fact that fathers have influence on this world. And if we have any hope to see a different future, we have to guard our hearts. As fathers, we must guard our hearts. And you don't guard your heart with your job, your money, your status. The only way to truly guard your heart is that you seek to know the Father's heart. Because regardless of what's going on inside of us, only what is coming from the Father's heart can change what is in our heart and literally change the environment in the hearts of those around us. When you look in the scriptures and understand that Jesus came to give us a revelation of the Father, 
He came to give us this revelation, not just of the Father, but he came to give us this revelation of the Father's heart. Because as you read through the scriptures, you'll find very clearly, reading in the Old Testament first, that none of the Old Testament prophets actually called God Father. But when Jesus came, he began to call God Father. Even though he was considered a prophet, he called God Father, which was a new paradigm. It was a shift from what was known in the past to now what he was introducing. And when he called God Father, it got up close and personal with people because it spoke to where they were. And Jesus wants to speak to where we are. And Jesus saying this idea of Father, he was saying that we're not just going to call him Yahweh. We're not just going to call him God. We're not just going to call him Elohim. We're not going to just call him Jehovah. We're going to call him Father. Because I know and you know Jesus understands us better than we understand ourselves. And he knows that this word Father is one of the core issues that is the root of so much brokenness, so much dysfunction that we face in the world. It's this issue of father that has been disruptive in families, in communities, in nations. And Jesus said, I'm coming to deal with this. And when you hear him saying what he said in John chapter 14, it's one of many times where Jesus said things like, Father, I know that you hear me when I speak to you. He said things that I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. In the earlier part of John chapter 14, he says this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you and where I'm going, you cannot come. But the place he's going to prepare, he said, I'll come back and receive you. And Thomas said, well, how how can we know the way? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And he said, the words that I speak, they're not my words, they're the Father's words. In fact, the Father lives in me, and the Father living in me is doing the work that you see. So Jesus spoke of the Father in such intimate ways that Philip finally said, Show us the Father. In other words, why are you holding back on us, Jesus? Show us the Father. You're telling us about this, but we need to know, and it will be enough for us. It will be enough for us. Isn't it interesting how Jesus didn't teach the disciples certain things just right off the bat? He he, he delayed certain things in teaching them certain things because I believe it's like prayer. Jesus didn't start off teaching them how to pray. He waited for them to get hungry enough to actually say to him, teach us to pray. He didn't start out in discipleship and say, now make sure y'all pray and here's how you pray. No, Jesus' mindset was, I'm going to pray. They're going to see miracles. They're going to see amazing results. And then they'll ask me about it. And so he waited till they got so hungry that they said, teach us to pray. And when Jesus began speaking of the Father, he didn't start out teaching them about the Father. What he did was actually 
demonstrate to them this intimacy, this closeness to the Father. And in demonstrating this intimacy and closeness with the Father, he was exposing them to the kind of relationship that he wanted for them. In reading the scriptures, and we hear the exchange between the Son of God and the Father, it is an invitation for us, even in our time and in our generation, to understand the same level of intimacy. Now that might be a problem for some people because we have a lot more comfortability. We, we feel a lot better about calling him God or, or, or Lord or, or Jesus. Sometimes it's a little difficult to speak to God as Father because some of us may have had issues with our Father. And even though Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way, our Father, our Father, He's saying, pray this. In other words, don't be religious. Don't use the King James language or the amplified language or uh, scholarly or theological language. I'm giving you the language of a child. I'm taking away all the religious paradigms and ways of thinking, and I want you to understand the relationship. And when Jesus says to them, say this, our Father, He knew deep down our human nature wants to, unless there's something we really want, our human nature always wants to gravitate toward the path of of least resistance. There's something about using this word father that creates an internal conflict inside of us. There's something in us that doesn't want to do this very thing that Jesus says, call him father. And You and I know Jesus knows that sometimes there's an internal conflict. But instead of making us comfortable in our avoidance, Jesus brings the term head on to us. He's bringing it right to us to say to us, we're going to deal with the core of this brokenness and dysfunction in your heart and in your soul. Jesus said, I'm coming to give you a revelation of not only who God is as Father, but I'm coming to give you a revelation of his heart. And when Jesus says, haven't you seen me long enough? And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, what we don't inspect well enough is the true condition of our heart. And what I mean by that is, if we're left just to assess our own heart and how we feel, how we feel doesn't change anything. We can't fix our own dysfunction. And so to be left with just how we feel leaves us no hope to change how we feel. And if we don't know the Father's heart, we're left with the disappointment, the dysfunction, the pain, the brokenness in our own soul. We're no hope except to live from the basis of how we feel about everything. And when Jesus came to tell us about the Father, he came to tell us, I know there's some paradigms that you've had. I know there's some misconceptions that you've seen. But I'm coming to unravel your thought about God being mad at you. 
Your thought about God being mean. Your thought about God being distant. Your thought about God being disrespectful, unloving, uncaring. Your thought about God being cruel and critical, always pointing out your faults. Your thought about who God is as Father is going to change if you understand that I and the Father are one. So what did Jesus show us? One of the things that becomes very clear, if you read through the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus was always attracted and drawn to all kinds of sin, all kinds of sinners, not to become it, but to actually give people hope that were trapped in it. And so when Jesus found himself himself with, with, with individuals who are tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and individuals who are, who are clamped down and held captive by demons and demonic possession. We see Jesus, even with lepers, walking among them, doing good to say, this is what the Father's like. If you ever wonder what the Father was like, this is what the Father's like. Look at the ministry of Jesus. Look at the movement of Jesus. Look at the words of Jesus. Look at the interaction of how Jesus dealt with people. And you'll find that it's quite different in how we deal with one another and how we deal with certain people, especially if they're not like us. We're much more harsh than Jesus. We're much more cruel than Jesus. We're much more defensive than Jesus. Jesus came. Not to condemn, but to save. Because it was the Father revealing in Jesus what his heart is like and what he is like. You see, the enemy has done a real good job. He's done a real good job using our experiences with our Father to create a distance between us and the Heavenly Father. You see, from a child... Every child's first experience, they may not be conscious of it, but their first real experience and concept of God comes from their earthly father. And so some of you have had wonderful experiences with your earthly fathers. Some of you have had not as much of a good experience with your earthly fathers. But what you got to understand is that whether you had a great father or not a great father. There is a picture of the heavenly father that God wants you to have as your reality. Not a fantasy, not a fairy tale, as your reality. The challenge that a lot of times we see in fathers is that the fathers who are struggling are struggling because they didn't have good fathers. It's because fathers who grew up in homes where they said things like, I'm so glad that my father wasn't around because when he was around, he was drunk, he was angry, he was abusive, he was destructive. He was always critical. Some people feel like even though my father was around, He was out of touch. He was disconnected. He was disengaged. He was uninterested. He was unloving, almost untouchable. 
And then there's the father who was completely absent. Never been around. Those things affect who you see God as. Those things affect our mindset and our attitude. And it's, it's sort of awkward because when you think about the experience and the concept of an earthly father becoming a model to, to the he- heavenly father, even when you become a Christian, there's still this sense of disconnect that feels awkward because by faith, you may even call him father. Because Jesus has done wonderful things in your life, but there's still something deep down that has not connected with the reality of the heavenly father. Because there's something that your earthly father has done to mess you up. There's something that was said, there was something that was done that left you with a sense of disconnection with a God you should know, a God that has saved you, but a God that still feels distant. Still feels like, yeah, I know you love me, but I don't really feel like you love me. And it's unfortunate that a lot, some dads, as much as they love their kids, still struggle with connecting with their own kids because something about their father messed them up. And something about whatever that is they're dealing with is messing their kids up. Even though they may provide for them, give them everything they need, there's something impacting their relationship. My question is, and your question is too, how do we deal with that? How do we really address that? One of the ways not to be overly simplified, but we have to know the Father's heart. Because in knowing the Father's heart, it gives us a chance to know who we belong to. It gives us someone to belong to. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't come just to connect us with eternity. Jesus came to show us who we belong to. Because when you know who you belong to, it changes everything about how you carry yourself, how you see yourself, how you see others, and how you see the world that you live in. See, no matter how great your father was, it's when you know who you belong to and that you belong to the heavenly father through Christ Jesus. When you belong to the heavenly father, then you have hope in experiencing the heavenly father's heart. And when you have an experience of his heart, then you begin to see and experience the release of the power of ultimate destruction to all dysfunction and brokenness and disappointment and pain in my heart and in my life. Which means if you had a great father, a weak father, an absent father, an okay father, a good father. Doesn't matter. In fact, let me just throw this caveat out. Sometimes if you have a great father and you don't know that your father was just a street sign, he was a comma, not a period, you will begin to idolize the greatness of your father and miss The reality that that father was to point you to the heavenly father so that the greatness of your earthly father was a gift, not an idol to become your God. You experience the brokenness because of the absence of he, when he dies or has died, there's a sense of abandonment. 
Because none of us are ever supposed to make a gift our God. We're supposed to allow that great father you had like a sign pointing you to the heavenly father. And you might say, well, my father was gone or I grew up in an abusive home. Let me encourage you, regardless of how abusive your home was, even that father in his abusive, tormenting state, tormenting you, tormenting, tormented in himself, is a sign that there is a need for a greater father. So if you have a great father, that was a gift from the great father. If your father wasn't great, it's a sign that you need something greater than what you had in the earthly father. But here's the point. No matter what your situation was, it does not limit you. It doesn't limit you. Whatever your experience was, it should not limit you. Because Jesus came to let us know in the Father is where we find our worth. It's where we find our value. It's where we find our purpose. It's where we find God's meaning. We find our destiny in the relationship that Jesus came to give us with the Father. And in that relationship, we begin to understand who we belong to. Proverbs 17, 6 in the Amplified says this, Grandchildren are the crown of aged men, and the glory of children is their fathers who live godly lives. What this scripture is saying is that the the esteem, the sense of belonging a child has comes from their father. It can't come from their career. It can't come from their job. It can't come from their social status. It can't come from a relationship or hope for a certain kind of relationship. It didn't come from your bank account. The glory of a child is their father. And what that means to us is that we're not going to find glory in the material things of this world. We're not going to find our belonging in the things of this world. We're going to find them in not just a father, but the father. Because there are times when your father has not been your glory. This is an interest, uh, introduction to where the glory actually comes from. So if you want to steal someone's sense of belonging, and there's three things human beings need. They need a sense of belonging, they need to know what to believe, and they need to know how to behave. If you want to steal away a child's belief, you want to steal away and, and confuse a child or a person's behavior, Take away their sense of belonging. Steal their father. Take away their father. Create a disconnection with their father. Then you'll begin to see the confusion of belief in anything, the recklessness of behavior, or I'm just going to live however I want to live because I didn't have anyone speaking to me about how I should live. It's my choice, and I don't want you to say anything about it. Think about this. I don't know if you've ever seen kids on a playground. When kids are on a playground um, and they feel threatened, one of the things kids do is, is they'll refer to their dad. Well, well, my dad's going to beat up your dad. 
uh-uh, my dad's going to be, beat up your dad. Or my dad's stronger than your dad. Uh-uh, my dad is stronger than your dad. And then kids can get into some deep uh, exaggeration, well, lies. Well, uh, my dad, my, my dad, he built this school. He built this playground. Well, uh, my dad, that, that's my dad. My dad flying that plane right now. Well, my dad is Iron Man. My dad has an Iron Man suit at the house. Well, uh, my, my dad built Wakanda. That, that's my daddy. I'm exaggerating the point, but you ever hear, hear kids when they feel threatened talk about their dad and not talk about themselves? They don't ever talk about how, what they're going to do and what they can do. No, 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 no. They talk about their dads because instinctively a kid knows if my dad is great, that means I'm great. If my dad is doing big things, that means I'm a part. I belong to someone who's doing big things. And the pain of youth is feeling threatened and never being able to say, my dad. And fill in the blank for whatever you need because he's not there. Or he was there in the wrong way. You see, there's something about a kid that knows. As Proverbs 17, 6 says, the glory of children is their fathers that live godly lives. If we don't know who we belong to, we're actually up for grabs. But I got good news, and the good news is this. Jesus came to adopt us. He came to adopt us. And a lot of times, adoption can be looked down upon and minimized. But if you understand the adoption process, it is quite an honor to be adopted. I have a friend who adopted, he had three children, he adopted two more. In the adoption, he said he, he had uh, two things that were required for him to understand when he sat down with the judges. First of all, the judge said, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. He wanted to make it difficult so that their, their choice has been clearly understood that if you do this, there's a lot of unknowns that come with this. And my friend and his wife said, absolutely, we know there are risks and there, there are things that we don't know, mannerisms, behavior, sin, whatever it may be. There's also the good things of personality, gifts, and talents they get to cultivate. It's heading that he said, but we love him. And so here's what the judge helped him understand. It's a choice. And when you make this choice, two things happen. We officially put your name and your wife's name on the birth certificate of this child. And in putting your name on the birth certificate, the state no longer recognizes the previous parents and the previous life of that child. And when the scripture says in Ephesians 1 that we've been adopted, it means that we have been adopted as God's children. And he put his name on our new birth in Christ. Which is why Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is saying to us, 
I know you've been acting like an orphan. I know you've been struggling with insecurity. I know you've been struggling with rejection. I know you've been struggling with isolation and independence. I know you struggle even in a crowd feeling lonely. I know you struggle with anger, regret, resentment, people pleasing, being overly critical of yourself and others not being able to take correction. I know you've been struggling as an orphan, but let me tell you that day is over. I'm coming to adopt you as my own and I'm taking my blood to write on your new birth, mine, mine. You belong to me. And when we belong to him, the second thing my friend said, it was codified, is that they do not have to give an inheritance to their biological children but they are required by law to give an inheritance to the adopted children. You see, you can have your own biological children and sometimes they can be unplanned or or what have you, but you have to be deliberate and intentional to adopt someone. And so at the very least, each one of those children is required to have one fifth of of the inheritance of my friend but they can give them everything if they'd like. And if for some reason they write them out of the will, the state will intervene. And when I read my Bible, I hear this. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant and that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from sins, from the sins committed under the first covenant. See, God has a promised inheritance for those who have been born again and belong to him. And the inheritance that he's given us has been given to us, guaranteed not by the state, guaranteed by the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection life on the inside of us. How do we actually know the Father's heart? It's through Jesus. And in knowing the Father's heart, gives us a chance to know that we belong to someone. Secondly, it also gives us a chance to see the new DNA we have. You see, with my friend, DNA of the children were not his DNA. But he began to explain to me the, uh, um, the, 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 the manual in the brain. Epigenetics is what I think it's called. Epigenetics in the brain is like an on and off switch. It's the mannerisms that's carried over from from parent to child, parent to child, generationally. It's when Forrest Gump actually finally met his son for the first time and they're watching Bert and Ernie and they cocked their head at the same time. That's epigenetics. It's an on-off switch. And what he was telling me and explaining to me is that that thing can be turned on and off. And what I know is that even though I had some epigenetics from my own father that was going to lead me down to the same path of abandonment of maybe future children, it got turned off in Jesus Christ because the scripture says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
God switches it off. Now, don't switch it back on by living in sin. Don't switch it back on by going into rejection. Don't switch it back on by living in unbelief. Let God switch it off and you grow in your relationship with Christ to know that your DNA is not the depression you've lived in. It's not the anxiety, the pornography, the fear, the anger. The DNA you live in is a DNA of new life in Christ Jesus by the resurrection power of his Holy Spirit living inside of you because the scripture says in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, that same spirit is able to quicken, make alive your mortal body. You got a new DNA and it's a Holy Ghost DNA to change your past, to change your mindset, to transform your life and show you the Father's heart. Why do some people live so self-destructively? Why do some men fear commitment? Single men, that is. They go from one relationship to the next. Why do some women give themselves in an unhealthy way to certain men? Where is that from? Why do we live in a society of prejudice and hate, anger and revenge? Why do we? Because all we're doing is living out of dysfunction, living out of the brokenness of our own heart. Because we've not known the Father's heart. We haven't felt his affirming love about our new DNA. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It is only in Christ can we know the Father's heart. Can we know that we belong to someone? I belong. I'm not an orphan. That I have a new DNA. I don't have to be destructive. I don't, be, I don't have to be immoral. I don't have to be arrogant or prideful. I don't, be, I don't have to be attached to things. And oh, when the devil wants to remind you of your past, just remind him of his future. If you're here today and you're saying, I've had this core issue, I've covered it up with a lot of different things, but I want to know that I belong to Jesus who reveals to me the Father's heart. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to give myself and bring my disappointment, bring my rejection, bring my bitterness, bring my unforgiveness, maybe even toward my father. I need to bring myself and give myself up, give myself away because I can't heal myself. I can't trust myself. I can't fix myself anymore. And today is that day. Well, you can say, and this is what you can say, Jesus, say this with me. Yes, I know you may be in your kitchen, you may be at a table, in your bedroom, a closet, the family room, right where you are. Just pause. And you say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to me. I've been broken. 
I've trusted myself to try to heal and fix myself. And I'm sorry for not trusting you. You died for me. You lived a sinless life for me. But you rose from the dead to save me. Today, I give myself to you. I repent of my sins. I choose to forgive those who've hurt me. I release my father. I let him go. Just let him go. I let him go. And I receive you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Save me. Would you forgive me? Cleanse me. Make me new. I want to know that I belong to you. That I belong to the Father. And that you are giving me a new DNA. Make me who you created me to be and I'll serve you for the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an honor to speak to you on this amazing day called Father's Day. Because every Sunday is Father's Day as we worship the Father. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. And may he keep us all until we meet again. Love you so much. Amen.